Last week, Pastor Jim led a, a conversation about relationships. How do you measure spiritual stature, spiritual growth? In relationships. God's love is demonstrated in how we treat one another. Loving others without hypocrisy, but with real, genuine love. Because the world it truly is watching us, the church. Do we really love each other like we say we claim we do? God's church bears the likeness of heaven. How? How we love each other. We are to treat one another tenderheartedly because beneath our tough exteriors, we are all fragile, right? Fragile. In relationship with one another, we walk through life together um, in the good times and in the bad times, but we're in this together. What is the glue that holds us and heaven together? Relationships. To be known and to know others happens in relationship. Now, in a family, deep and, and meaningful relationships aren't easily broken. Uh, families teach us many things about ourselves, our identities, our, how to get along and to function in this world. It was God's idea that we grow up in a physical, physical family to love and to encourage and to support one another. Families also stick up for one another and defend each other. As the old saying goes, blood is thicker than water. In other words, family first. If you mess with my family, you, you, you're, you're messing with me. Train of thought, right? I'm the youngest of four kids. I have an older sister, and a, and a Debbie, and an older brother. His name is Bryn, and an older brother named Chase. And Bryn is six years older than me, and my brother Chase is two years older. So Chase and I were a little closer in age, and so we could do things similar. But um, as, as most brothers do, except Pastor Jim, he's perfect. Um, um, <laughs> They kind of don't agree on things, and they kind of fight, and, and don't share, and, and so we shared a room, and, and there was often times where there was fights, and, and so I would do something, you know, bad and to my brother Chase, and I would run behind my big brother Brent, and he was bigger and stronger, and he defended me, right, for, to my brother Chase. Ha, 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 right, that was really cool. Um, he would defend me. Um, didn't matter if the argument, if I was in the right or the wrong, um, he was my brother and he probably liked to put a beating on, on my brother Chase anyway. And I know you won't believe this when I tell you, but I was kind of a, I was kind of a tattletale. <laughs> Any babies of the family, tattletales? Raise your hands. All right. I had it made, no matter what I said or did, right? I could be totally in the wrong, but my brother defended me against my brother. But it also was true outside the family. Um, in the neighborhood or at school, I would uh, run my mouth. I know that's shocking, but I would run my mouth <laughs> and, and run and hide behind my brothers because they were bigger and, and could take care of, you know. So um, why? Why would they do that? Because families stick up for each other. The idea of family um, isn't only connected by bloodlines, though. It's also God's plan for his church. God desires family with his creation, and in the church family, the circle of relationship is, is widened. We are to live out this command. It wasn't a suggestion. Live out this command from Jesus to love one another. Not only in our biological families, of course, but in the spiritual family of God. Again, the world is watching to see if this, 
if the validity of our love for one another is real, if it's genuine, or is it fake? Is it full of hypocrisy? And in the church family, there is a wider circle of relationships to, to develop and to grow. It's never the same. True or false, um, the most important thing in life is relationships. Do we actually believe that to be true? Is that truth reflected in our current relationships? Think about your relationships. Is it the most important thing? Relationships of loved ones in our families and extended families, relationships with friends from our childhoods and, and, and all walks of life, relationships with classmates from our schools growing up, relationships with those that we work with, even relationships with those that we worship here at church, and even deep relationships with our friends in, in small groups. In life, relationships should be the top priority. Relationships equal connections. It's, it's knowing, it's understanding that life is meant to be lived out in relationship with one another. And as Pastor Jim said last week, those relationships are deep and best in the church. It's God's intergenerational, thriving family that, that brings people together. So there are other networks of relationships can become healthier and whole. It's a place where we can work on the bumps in our relationships. It's a place to be healed from the injuries and the brokenness that occur in relationships. The question is then, do we truly believe that to be true? Do we see church as a place for love and encouragement and healing and, and so much more? Do we see it that way? No doubt there are some here this morning who, who have been hurt by others in the church, and, and so you choose to keep your distance. There might be others here that feel they're too busy to invest in quality you know, of the deepening of relationships. Or others who aren't sure they just buy into this whole relationship thing in the first place. But I believe that to some here today, that the relationships that, that you connected with in the church, in a small group, in a focus group, whatever, it's been the lifeblood. It's for your survival. You needed that small group, and they were there for you in that relationship. So where are you on this continuum from uh, of not needing or believing in small groups you know, that matter to, to buying into small groups and saying, I... I need my small group. I need relationships with people. Is this connection with others worth it to you? Is it worth it to you? Connection. Last November, I spoke on this word connect. And there's this gnawing ache within each of us to connect in a meaningful way with someone else. It's there. And this great need is most noticeable when it's not being met. This unmet need to connect in a meaningful way with someone else is, 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 is a very, very deep longing for every single one of us in this room. From the extrovert to the introvert, we all have this deep longing to be known, to know others. After God created the earth and everything in it, including man, God saw something that was missing. 
If you remember, God gave Adam uh, a couple of jobs way back then. The first one was to take care of the garden, this beautiful, amazing garden. He put Adam in charge of taking care of it. So he, I guess he was the first gardener. But then he also gave Adam the job of naming all the animals. All, you know, whatever the animals brought, to the, he, he named them all. So a little side note, um, work is not a curse. God gave Adam a job to do. So even after all of creation, God still saw something was missing. And I, I don't know if you caught this, but ladies, you're probably thinking, yeah. God hasn't created the best thing yet, right? Women. He hasn't created a woman yet. So let's pick up this familiar story in Genesis chapter 2, um, verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Verse 20. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of a man, and he brought her to the man. Now, I know the scripture is often read at weddings that God officiated the first you know, marriage between a man and a woman where God brought them, the woman to the man and, and to live together as one, to reproduce and to fill the earth. And what a wonderful relationship that God created called marriage. It's, it's amazing. But I believe that it goes beyond just marriage. It speaks to relationships. And when God made the man, he made the woman at creation, he created them with um, two voids or two holes in their heart. If you, if you will. The first void is that God-shaped hole that only God can fill. No thing and no one can ever fill that void. And as we know, as humans, we try to fill that void with all kinds of things. Things like relationships and sex and substances and food and hobbies and work and status and achievements and success and money and a, and a host of other things. We we try to jam in there and stuff into that spot that it won't work. It'll never fit, ever, ever, ever fit. Only God and God alone can fill that void. But yet we try anyway. He was the one that created it that way. See, it's interesting to me that after God made the day and the night and he made the sky and the water and the land and the trees and the bushes and the flowers and the plants and the sun and the moon and the stars... And he made all the, the animals in the water and the birds that fly. And he made all the animals on the land. And even after making man in his own image, it says in Genesis 1.31, God saw all he had made and it was very good. It was very good. It was very good. God sat back and he was pleased with what he had created. But as we read earlier, there was something God said wasn't good. And all of his creation and all the wonder that we see today, God said, wait, there's something missing. Something's not good. That man, man was alone. And this is where that second void or that second hole comes into play. It's a void that God himself chooses not to fill. 
And that void is reserved for human relationships. God chooses not to fill that void that only relationships can fill. Think about that for a moment. God desires that you and I have human relationships. Marriage is included in that, of course. And in his own words, God said it isn't good for man to be alone. So he steps back and he doesn't fill that void with himself. Why? Why would God do that? Because God knows relationships are important. God demonstrates this belief in the relationship in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I believe it includes, but goes beyond a marriage relationship. God recognized that man was alone, even though God himself was all that Adam needed. God said, something's missing here. A few years ago, I was diagnosed with lateral epicondylitis. And I had it for several months. And it was very painful and limiting. Does, does anyone know what lateral epicondylitis is? It sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? Why are you laughing? <laughs> lateral epicondylitis... Okay, it's tennis elbow. Okay, that's what it is. <laughs> but it sounds important, right? I've got lateral epicondylitis. Um, it doesn't make sense because I didn't even play tennis. Anyway, um, but it, it was real, and it hurt, and I had a sling and everything, right? What's wrong with your elbow? Lateral epicondylitis. But there's another disease that's pretty common to humanity, and it's called... Isolationitis. Isolationitis. It's when we live our lives in isolation with others instead of uh, uh, in real and meaningful relationships. George Gallup said this, quote, Americans are among the loneliest people in the world, unquote. Bill Willits and Andy Stanley in their book Creating Community said this, quote, we we're never meant to live in a state of functional isolation. We were created to be relational beings. None of us were meant to live alone, away from meaningful connection. And they go on to describe what happens when we get isolationitis. When we come down with this dreadful disease, first thing we do, we lose perspective on life. Our lows tend to be lower and our highs tend to be higher. Our point of view becomes cloudy and things Tend to, you know, they seem to be worse or better than they really are. We lose perspective when we have isolationitis. Another condition of this disease is the fear of intimacy. The fear of intimacy. And the fear that if others really get to know me, they, they won't like me. And so we would rather uh, stay disconnected than to risk rejection. Another condition of isolationitis is selfishness. Isolation breeds selfishness. And over time, a disconnected person becomes self-absorbed. Life is lived and seen through a very narrow lens. And when someone comes down with isolationitis, they are at greater risk of poor health. Research shows that people with isolationitis 
are three times more likely to die than those who have strong relational connections. Isolation tends to bring with it devastating relational sicknesses. And living life without meaningful connections is not good because it's not what God intended for you and I. It's not. And the bottom line is this. You don't want to have isolationitis. You don't want to have that. But when we choose to live in isolation with God's family, we are not accurately reflecting the one whose image we bear. Let me rewind that. When we choose to live in isolation with God's family, we are not accurately reflecting the one whose image we bear. And whose image do we bear? God's. God is a relational being. And he created his prized creations. He saved the very best for last. You and me with this need for significant relationships as well. God's idea. So instead of isolationitis and coming down with all of its bad conditions, um, what's the alternative? Connection. Connection. It's a simple word, but has powerful God-approved potential for us. God knew way back from the beginning that we as humans would need connection with others. He designed it that way. So here are a few benefits of making and maintaining these connections with others, okay? Um, So this one, connections make me stronger. Connections make me stronger. When we are in connection with one another, in the family of God, we are stronger together. King Solomon The wisest man who had ever lived said in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Think about that. You're dead. They're going to get you. But two can stand back to back and conquer. I get that image in my mind where someone's got a sword and the other person has a sword and they're standing back to back and they're fighting the enemy. They've got your back. But he goes on to say, three... Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. What is the point that he's making? More is better when it comes to connections. There is strength in numbers. The Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to the church that he had planted on his second missionary journey in Thessalonica. And this was an infant church. It was about three to six months old, and and they were struggling with persecution. So when Paul wrote these these words, this is what he said to them in that context. In 1 Thessalonians 5, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Encourage each other. Build each I know it's hard. I know it's rough. You need one another. Keep encouraging one another. And when we're in connection with others in a small group, in a focus group, in a Bible study together, we can be encouraged. We know that we can be built up in our faith and strengthened knowing that we're not alone, that others are shouldering the load, that others are shouldering the burden with us, it makes us stronger. We're on this journey of life together. It's football season, and um, anybody excited about that? I, I'm, a, I'm a Minnesota Viking fan, so don't hate me, but let's just not go there. Anyway, people like to grill and to ta- tailgate, right? And, and uh, that... It's amazing, and then you drive down the neighborhoods, and someone's got their grill going. He's like, "You know what I'm talking about, right?" And that smells amazing. Not you, Jason. All right, um, 
But, but there's a fact. And I have here this morning some charcoal. And um, take this charcoal, for example, and you put it in a pile. And, and if, you, if you're like me, you put lighter fluid on it because you cheat a little bit. But then you take a, a, you know, a match and you light that charcoal. And over time, a little bit, it starts to heat up and starts to glow and get red and hot, right? And so there you have your, your source of heat. They feed off one another, these charcoals. But if you take one charcoal and you put it by itself, okay, what's going to happen to this charcoal? It's going to die out because it doesn't feed off of anybody else, the other charcoal. It has a little bit of heat. It burns a little bit. But by itself, it's going to die off a lot quicker than this pile here. You see, that's the picture of connections. That's what it's like when someone is separated. They have isolationitis. They're not connected to a group. They fade over time and burn out. And that is not, that is not, that is not God's design. Connections make us stronger and burn brighter too. Another benefit of making a connection is uh, connections give me purpose. Connections give me purpose. When we are connected to others, specifically in a small group, living life together, it gives us purpose. Why? You see, when we understand that we're not on this journey alone, connections give us purpose because we need to help each other. Connections help us connect with one another. And knowing that others need you and you need them, it gives us purpose. And that was God's design. It's called serving others. It's called putting their needs ahead of your own. Again, the, the Apostle Paul, uh, in a letter to the churches in Galatia, he was addressing their freedom in Christ. And this is what he said in Galatians 5. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But this is what he said. This is his warning. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful natures. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. In other words, now that you have this freedom that only Christ can give, you are truly free. Don't use it as a license to sin and go out and do whatever you want. That's not what Christ died for. So what does he say to do with this freedom? Use it to serve others. All over the New Testament, God wants us to connect with others in, in, in many ways. Use this freedom to love one another. Use it to encourage one another. Use this freedom in Christ to forgive and to accept one another. Use it to stop judging and, and to forgive one another and to honor one another. Use this freedom to instruct and submit and be devoted to one another. It goes on and on and on. You and I aren't living for ourselves anymore. If we are followers of Christ, now that we have this freedom... It's about community. It's about connections. You want to find purpose and meaning in your life? Begin to serve others sincerely from your heart, especially those who can't repay you, and watch what happens in your own life. Another benefit of making a connection is connections help me grow. Pastor Jim mentioned it last week, how at the old farmhouse where he grew up, they, you know, the kids would measure their height, right, and to see pretty often, and they would get up to the door frame and measure and, and see how, how much they've grown. How do you measure spiritual growth? Is, are, are there classes? Do you, you know, is it all about knowing the Bible? Is it all about memorizing Scripture? Is it all about going to church? Yes to that. But I've known people who know the Bible inside and out, and I know people that go to church every week, 
but are some of the meanest people. It doesn't add up. To measure spiritual growth is to know what God's word says, yes, and to live it out in obedience. God values relationships. And the best way to grow spiritually like that is in a small group of people doing life together. Not being a coal over here on your own, but together we burn stronger. The author of Hebrews instructed us in in Hebrews chapter 10, let us think of ways to motivate or to spur one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let's motivate one another to spiritual growth. Why? What's the purpose of spiritual growth? Maybe a better question would be, what are we saved for? What are we saved for? So that God would be glorified in my flesh. So that God would be glorified in your flesh. In relationships, in connections with others, we grow spiritually. And that happens best in a small group. As I close this morning, when you and your family go through a difficult season, is there a support system of a small group of caring people to help you? Is it there? Because that's been God's design all along. I've said it a couple of times now. Inside every human being is a God-shaped void that no other person can fill. That is true. But also, God also created us with the human-shaped void that God himself will not feel. Are you connected to the body of Christ? It's not only what we get out of a relationship, but it's also what we bring to it as well. We're not just consumers taking, but we're givers, we're giving. Connections make us stronger. Connections give us purpose. Connections help us to grow. If you're here today, and you don't have the most important relationship of all, and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can do that. You can give him your life today. He wants a relationship with you. Not based on how good you are. He just loves you as you are. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about connections, follow through. Get into a small group. If you're here today and you're already plugged into a small group, you've kind of bought into this relationship thing and and it's working and and, and you're living life with others, I want to challenge you to go even deeper in your relationships. Call that person that's been on your heart or send a note of encouragement to someone that's struggling. Initiate coffee with someone that you haven't seen in a while. Begin to work and invest in those relationships. I want to show you a video right here. Um, kind of illustrate we need one another. Watch this.
Let's pray. God, we thank you today that you value relationships and connection. The first and most important relationship is, is with you, having that relationship, that you are our Savior, our God. That we need salvation, forgiveness. So there may be some here today that they need to begin that relationship first. Maybe there are others here today that need to really connect in a small group of relationships with other people to grow spiritually, to be stronger. I pray that by your Holy Spirit that they would take that step, take that risk, get involved. Thank you for your word today. It challenges us. We ask God that you would speak to every heart. In Jesus' name. Amen.